0: one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We're in the midst of an indescribably powerful month here at New Direction, our global missions month, first annual that kicked off from a month of evangelism training last year where God did an incredible thing. And so now we have grown to the place where we are uh, in the midst of understanding what it means to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're so excited about what God is doing and our overarching theme for this month is we are the church from Proverbs 31, eight and nine. We learned how we can show forth the glory of God as a church to reach the nations. And then last week with Sophia Wang from Send International, we learned how to finish the mission as we are obedient to what Christ is doing to reach the unreached. And this week, my heart is so encouraged as I look to the future of global discipleship. We are in good hands because we have faithful servants who are obedient to God, to obeying his mandate even at a young age. Missions is not just for older people. And so that is what this is about. And so we're so excited. The future of missions is here. The future of missions is me. It's these young women that have come to join today. It's Tanisha. And it's so funny because our team that serves in Kenya, we're the two youngest members on our team. There's about a 40 year age difference between those who uh, serve that have been going. And the head of our missions team uh, is actually in her 80s and she travels with us every year and so she's 83 show shows 83 wow so just to imagine god needs us to rise up as his disciples serve him and so i'm so honored to welcome courtney nazare from every nation ministries and sophia andrews founder of ngoma kenya can we give them a hand we want to welcome them and their families that are here today I met these two young ladies, and I was just forever changed, and I committed at that time that I want to uh, just partner with them, to pour into them, to be committed to them, and to pray for and with them as they continue to serve God and what he has told them to do. So we want to allow a time of question and answer, and so Sophia will be our first speaker, and then Courtney will follow, after which we will have, we will open it up for question and answer. And Sophia's parents are here. So we want to open it up <laughs> for questions for the parents as well. Um, because I'm sure as they speak, there may be some questions that come up. Okay? And so I'm going to turn this over to our youth ministry. Uh, if we can have our first speaker to introduce and read the bio for Sophia Andrews. Um, let's pray for them. Let's engage with them. And uh, let's just... Be expected of what God is going to do during this time. Amen. Okay. Um, good morning. Okay, so Sophia Andrews in Goma Kenya. Sophia Andrews is a 16-year-old sophomore in a high
1: school. She is a ballet dancer and has been training for the past 11 years. She has traveled to Kenya three times and has founded a non-profit dance program in Kenya called NGOMA Kenya. A couple of times a year, she travels to Kenya to host week-long dance camps. After she graduates from college, she plans to open a performing arts school for children in Nairobi, Kenya. Can I take one of these? Sorry. (laughs) I'm like, let me get some water. All right, that's <laughs> all right, hi, um, my name is Sophia Andrews, as you all heard, and I'm 16. Um, I founded Ngoma, Kenya, which is a, a nonprofit dance program um, for children in Nairobi, Kenya. And um, before I get started with um, my talk and how um, important it is to get involved with the global orphan care crisis, I wanted to share a little bit about how I got to this point and how I, um, you know, traveled to Kenya. Um, and so, two years, it's been two years now, this summer, and two years ago, um, I was 14, and every year my youth group goes to Mexico to an orphanage. And um, I couldn't wait to be in high school so I could go <clears throat> sorry, on this mission strip and go and serve with the children, because children, that's where my heart is. I love working with kids. And um, so I was like, okay, I'm finally 14, I can go on this trip. And then my youth group announces around October of 2015 that they're going to London to do street w- witnessing. So I went home and I prayed about it, and I was like... You know, I don't really feel that the Lord is calling me to go to London. Um, I want to work with children. That's where my heart is. And, of course, I went home. I told my parents. They're like, you're not going anyway. Like, you're going to be 14. Like, who told you you were going to go to London? Like, no. Um, so uh, so I was like, okay, that's not going to work anyway. And around Christmas time, um, my dad talked to us about sponsoring. And he was like, oh, we want you, um, my brother and my sister, Um, have a bunch of siblings, and he's like, I want you guys to start sponsoring a child. Um, You're so blessed, and I want you to be a blessing. And so I ended up finding Happy Life Children's Home in Nairobi, Kenya, um, and I found a little girl named Esther, and I started sponsoring her. And then about in January, so a couple weeks later, my youth group announces. um, So we decided not to go to London. Um, We're gonna be going to Kenya, and we're gonna be going to Happy Life Children's Home, and never be Kenya, so (laughs) I was like, that's the only time I was excited to leave youth group. I ran out and I came down to my mom. I was like, mom, that's where Esther is. I need to go. So she's like, of course you need to go. So yeah, so we did that and ended up going to Kenya. And I went in July of 2016. Um, and while there, that was just the best thing that ever happened to me. It was such a life-changing experience. Um, and I was teaching a Bible class one day, and I was asking the kids what their different gifts and abilities that God had given them. And a lot of the kids said they like to dance, and they like to sing. And I was like, that's what I do. I'm a dancer. I'm a performer. And so um, um, when I was young, I hadn't shared this with my parents before, um, but now they you know, of course, but when I was younger, around like 12, 13, I was like, because when I was little, I wanted to be a medical missionary, but now I don't anymore. I don't want to be a doctor at all, but I still want to be a missionary. So I'm like, how can I combine dancing and singing and performing with being a missionary? Like, that's not possible. There's no such thing as a dancing missionary. But when I went to Kenya, I realized this can be possible. I can go over here and I can teach dance and I can spread the gospel. So I came back and in the fall, I started in Goma, Kenya. And I went back in May of 2017 with my mom. And it was just amazing. So I have a little video, too, to share. And I'll be going back to Kenya for six weeks this summer. I'm very excited. I'll be teaching special needs classes and dance classes. Um, So, yeah, here's a little video of um, what it's been like for the past couple. Did I do that right? Oh, there we go. Okay. You know, just like, showing some videos of dance and all of that. Um, but I wanted to share a specific story today of right now of last year, or in May of last year, was my second time traveling to Kenya, which that's a whole nother God story. It's just amazing. I didn't know when I was going to be going back. And the way that he just worked everything out was just so amazing. Um, but that was my second time traveling to Kenya. And after landing in the country, um, my mom and I went to the children's home. And so when we were there, we found out that a couple of days before um, a sibling group had been brought into the orphanage by a good Samaritan, and there was a little girl whose name was Sarah um, and she and her younger brother and baby sister who had been found and we didn't know the baby sister's name, so we called her chocolate drop. She's just the cutest little thing. <laughs> um, and I found out that the little girl Sarah was seven years old and had to care for her siblings. You know, at the age of seven, she had to assume the responsibility of an adult which no child should ever have to deal with. And at seven years old, she had to be the sole provider for her two siblings. Um, and that just, to me, tells me that unless we do something to get involved, things like this will continue to go on. And countless number of children will have to continue to raise themselves and live by themselves. Um, oh, all right. Let me see. did oh, I go the right way? OK. So there are currently 140 million orphaned children in the world, and that's a lot of kids. And in Kenya alone, there are 40 million children. So that means that 720 vulnerable Kenyan children a day are orphaned, which is a child every two minutes, which is just so sad. Um, but many times the worldwide orphan care crisis can seem like a pop culture conversation that we hear about all the time, but we don't really know about. Um, So there are four key factors um, in the global orphan care crisis. And the first one is HIV and AIDS. During the 30 years of the global HIV epidemic, an estimated 17 million children lost one or both of their parents um, due to AIDS. 90% of these children live in sub-Saharan Africa. In addition, 3.4 million children under the age of 15 are living with HIV. And the next factor is war. War affects children in all the ways it affects adults, but it also in many different ways. First, children are dependent on care, um, empathy, and attention of adults who love them. These attachments are frequently disrupted due to times of war and loss of parents. Poverty is another factor. Um, Half of the world's population lives on $2.50 a day, which that's not that much. Um, And there are 1.3 billion people are considered to be living on extreme poverty, which is $1.25 a day. And if you ever get the chance, there's this amazing documentary on Netflix called A Dollar a Day, um, where six friends go to Guatemala for six weeks and they um, live off of anywhere between a dollar to $2 a day. And it's just such an eye-opening documentary to see, you know, this is how people are living, you know? And so we're so blessed here. So it's important that we get involved. Um, And so uh, this means that When people are, uh, there's poverty, this means that they can't afford to provide nutrition, shelter, or care for their children. Many children who become orphans are abandoned by their parents, not due to lack of love, but through lack of resources and care for their basic needs. Um, There's a little boy at Happy Life named Benaya, and he was found in a garbage can in Kenya. Um, with a, a cord wrapped around his neck because his birth mother tried to strangle him because um, she couldn't care for him. And um, some garbage uh, trash men were taking out the trash and they heard him crying. Um, but now he's living a happy life and he's a happy oh, five-year-old little boy. The sweetest little boy. Um, he can be Henri at times, but uh, his chunky little cheeks, I love Benai. That's my little guy. Um, but, you know, now because of happy life and how he has a sponsor, he's going to school. He's... Um, He's, he's eating. He's getting all the things that a child needs. Um, and so the last factor in the um, global orphan care, or the, the, that contributes to this, is corruption. Um, corruption sustains the orphan care crisis in many terrible ways be it through corrupt government or individuals who profit the trafficking of vulnerable children. Countries who suffer from domestic unrest as a result of corruption often close their borders to inter-country adoption. And trafficking is a huge, huge issue. Um, Whenever we go to Kenya, we end up meeting amazing people. And when my mom and I met in May, we met a missionary um, from North Carolina. We always meet someone that Could we say that Kenya, whenever we go to Kenya, we always meet people that we never would have met. Like um, when we went to Kenya in December, we met a pastor there and he lives in Wilmington. Um, And so it was just cool. So when we went in um, May, we met a missionary. Her name is Sherry. And what she does is she goes and they'll go into different places and they'll take the traffic kids and they'll ask for them and then they'll take them out and then they'll get them, start them with better lives. So that's a huge, huge problem. Um, that contributes to the global orphan care crisis. As you can see, there's many different things factoring into the global orphan care crisis. Poverty, there's war, there's HIV, AIDS and corruption. It can be very, very, very disheartening to hear all these things, and it may seem like there isn't anything we can do about it. Um, But there is hope, and there is something that we can do about it. One of my favorite Bible verses is James 1.27, and it says, religion is pure and faultless as this. Uh, religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless as this. is to look after the orphaned and the widow and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And this means that God wants us to look after the fatherless. He wants us to go out and care for them. And it can be hard. I mean, it can can be extremely hard to be pushed out of your comfort zone. I know firsthand by that. Um, But I've experienced it, and I know that it's the most amazing thing that can happen to you when you go out and you be a father to the fatherless and you be a voice for the voiceless and you help them. Um, so, but as Christians, um, we can't go past Jesus' word in Matthew 25:40, when in the context of looking after the hungry, the thirsty, the lonely, the naked, the sick, and the imprisoned. He says, whatever you did for the least of these brothers, you did for me. And I believe it is extremely important for teenagers, and I'm 16, so people, my peers, my age, to get involved with the global orphan care crisis. Um, My favorite Dr. Seuss quote says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better. It's not. And that's like one of my my life quotes. But it's so true, you know? It's just like... Until we do something, until we get involved and we be the change that we wish to see in the world, nothing's going to get better. And so that's why I like to speak to my generation and to my peers, because I want us to be the generation that ends the global orphan care crisis. And um, I don't have the statistic on me now, so I might be off. But I read that if like one in every three churches adopted a child, there'd be no more orphans in the world. And I was just like, it's crazy to see, because that's possible. But we just need to go out and we need to do it. Um, So there are many different ways that we can get involved. Um, Some are harder than others, but sometimes going out of your comfort zone is so worth it in the end. Um, The one way to get involved, I always recommend is sponsorship. Um, for a minimum of $30 a month, you can sponsor a child, um, and I have some information at my table in the back um, at Happy Life Children's Home in Kenya, and it's just $30 a month, and it's only a dollar a day. For one dollar a day, you can change the life of a child. And it's not as hard as you think. I started sponsoring when I was 14, um, the little girl Esther, uh, just through babysitting money. you know, I didn't make a lot, and eventually you know, I saved enough to start sponsoring her. Um, but. Um, I, now, I currently sponsor three children, and it brings me so much joy to know that I can help them. Yes, I have a picture. Those are my babies. Um, yeah, so that's Toby. Um, and then that's Esther, the little girl I started sponsoring. And then that's Sarah. Um, and so everybody can do something. I was going to say this in Swahili, but my Swahili is really bad. Um, but um, there was like an African proverb, a Swahili proverb that my mom told me, and it's like, oh, what is it, mom? Little by little, we fill the pot, so drip by drip. So it may not just be one person, but little by little, if we all do something and we do start to get involved, we can make a dent. In this and it starts to create an impact, um, and so yeah. So those are the three I sponsor. Um, and if you can't sponsor a child, definitely pray for them. You know, you keep a child, um, take a picture of them, keep them on your refrigerator, in your wallet, wherever. You know, um, it just reminds you to just you know continue to pray for them. Pray that they do well in school, and if they have any siblings, that their siblings are doing okay, and that they can be reunited with them one day. And just pray that they grow up just to be a great young man or woman with a fire in their heart for the Lord and to serve the Lord. Um, and hopefully over time you can start to sponsor them and you can, um, because for Toby for a while I didn't have enough to sponsor him, um, because I met him when I went over the second time to Kenya, but you know I kept the picture of him and I prayed for him, so I eventually had enough to start um, sponsoring him, and so um, and yeah, so you can just watch them grow, and and I'm beginning to experience that with the one little girl, Sarah, who I sponsor, who happens to be the little girl I mentioned in the beginning um, who we ended up having to take who they found in Kenya um, abandoned who was taking care of her siblings. We ended up having to take her and her younger brother, John, who is five, um, that were found to the older kids' campus. So at Happy Life, there's a baby campus for zero to three-year-olds. And then there's an older kid campus for um, three and up where there's a school and kids from the local village can come in and take classes. Um, and all that. So it's really great um, to have that, and that these kids can go and get a good Christian education. So I'm thankful for Happy Life Children's Home in Kenya, that they can do all of that. And the, um, and the bishop, um, Bishop uh, Peter and Reverend Faith and Dungu, they were actually just in the US a couple weeks ago, um, but they are the Kenyan founders of the children's home. So they're really great. Um, but yeah, so ended up taking um, her little brother John to the children's home the next day, and they were nervous at first. You know, they were really scared; um, they hadn't experienced anything like that before. But you know, they adjusted, and now they're doing well, and they're just they're amazing little kids. Um, But because she was orphaned, because her siblings were orphaned, she was forced to assume the responsibilities of an adult as a seven-year-old child. Like I couldn't, my sister's seven, I couldn't even imagine her having to take care of a five-year-old and and an eight-month-old. It's just crazy to think about. But because we're so blessed here in America, we don't have to think about things like that. So it's important that we do. and so, uh, oh, where is I? Okay. Um, so that's something no child should ever have to go through. But now that she's at a children's home and she has a sponsor, she can enjoy being a child. Um, and so, yeah, like I shared earlier, my favorite Dr. Seuss quote is, "Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better. It's not. And unless we do something to get involved and to help the global orphan care crisis, it's not going to get better at all. When you get involved with sponsoring, we get one step closer to that goal. When you get involved with changing a child's life. So I urge you to do, as 1 Peter 4.10 says, my favorite, it's like my life verse, <laughs> and it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Use what God has given you. and Use it to help others, you know, like the little water droplet quote, you know, we each do something and it helps make a dent. So I wanted to see if my mom could come up and help share from the parent. She lost her voice a bit, but to come and share from the parent. Yeah, come share, because I believe in my dad too, but I believe it's important, you know, not just for me, because like it, it was a bit of a struggle, you know, just to let me go over, but hmm? Yeah, just my yeah, 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 yeah. You can come too, Dad, if you want. You both can share. Yeah, my dad struggled a bit with letting me go, but eventually he did a whole lot. This summer he struggled a bit too, but.
2: Yeah, so I just have seasonal allergies, but um, I think it's important to have both perspectives um, because I'm the gas and he's the brake. And so, I, you know, when you, I didn't grow up in the Word. I grew up in church, but I didn't know Jesus, and that's a whole other story for a whole other day. But when you raise your children in the Word, you know, I said, you have to have your own faith. And I'm trusting God that he's going to speak to you. So when she came back at 14, that first summer, and she said, the Lord spoke to me. We had friends at our church. Let me back up. It was a missionary young man, and um, she babysits for them as well. And um, he gave her a journal, and he, he said to her, right in my presence, he said, you write. God's going to speak. Your parents aren't going to understand what you experience, and that's going to be okay. And I knew it. I just knew that I wouldn't understand. And so... Um, I just knew we had to release her. Even when she came in the car that day, the church had always gone to uh, Casa Hogar in Mexico, always. Happy life was never on their radar. And when they shifted to go to um, London and she shared how disappointed she was because she you know, th- she knew that God wasn't calling her to London to street witness and I was like, well, that's cool because you ain't going anywhere, you know? <laughs> it's not even our church, you just go on Friday nights for youth ministry. So we know the pastors but you're not going. But and, but what impressed me was when everybody else wanted to go cuz it was fun. It was kind of trendy just to get out the country to see all the sights. She knew that you know God told me to go serve children. And so when she said I'm not going, I'm, I was like, I knew then. And then when it turned around a few months later and we picked her up that cuz that's our Friday night date nights. So we drop the kids off at youth group and go out. <laughs> And when she said, Mom, they're going to Happy Life Children's Home where Esther is, I said, I knew that moment. God rearranged the whole thing for her to go with people who we know. Amen. And I knew, I said, it's not for us to go because people were like, you're going to send her. I'm like, yeah, this is between her and God. It has nothing to do with us. You know, nothing. And I didn't want to be in the way. You know, I think of that one scripture that says, the year King Azai died, I saw the Lord. And I don't want to have to die for her to see the Lord. So I know how to get out the way. You know, so I just said, okay, God, you she's yours. You know, our, our kids belong to him. So we provide two very different perspectives. I'm always like, go, go, go. Because um, I said there's a whole lot of things that a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl can do and for you to want to serve. And, and I watch her babysit. I drop her off. I pick her up. You know, one of the kids has autism. He's special needs. So I know it's a challenge. But she does it lovingly because she's supporting and sponsoring. And I'm always like, you don't want to save money for nails or shoes? or She's like, no, I'm giving. I'm okay. We can eat. I'm good, Mom. So I just want to encourage you. Do something. She's right. I mean, everybody can do a little. And it, it provoked me. I, I sponsor Chocolate Drop. That's my baby. And her name is Teresa now. They say Teresa. And I'll see her Tuesday. Tuesday. I get to hold oh, her yeah, again. We leave tomorrow. Yeah, we leave to go to Kenya. So, so sometimes our kids will move us to do something that we're not doing, and it'll challenge us. I'm like, you know what? Let me get involved. You know, so I thank God for that. So we have two very different perspectives, and I think it's important to hear how one is like go and one is like uh-uh. So, <laughs>
3: Well, first of all, could you give my wife and my daughter a hand? They're just two amazing, amazing, amazing women. I'm a little taller than them, so I'm gonna take this up a little bit. But um, and I also have beautiful, chilled boys and girls. I got a daughter to a son, Daryl Jr. He's a, he's a junior at, uh, at Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, my daughter, Abigail Jubilee, who we adopted. She's adopted. We adopted her when she was three days old. And, and this good-looking dude to look just like his dad, Alexander Joshua, you know, is my twin. But my daughter said, Dad, don't cry. I tried my hardest, but them tears just start coming. I love this girl so much. Um, you know, I just want to say, share two things. One, Pam is right. I'm a dad. Fellas, can I get a witness? Come on, brothers. Show me t- <laughs> come on, brothers. Hook me up now. <laughs> you know, we're a little bit protective of our children. You know, I said, honey, I love you, but Kenya is not someplace I can pick you up in my vehicle if I need to. <laughs> like, Dad, come pick me up. No, baby, you like 20 million miles away. I can't do that. But... Um, I just want to share two things that I won't take long because I'm a minister and we can preach a little too long. So I'm going to make this real quick. There's a scripture that says, you know, do not muzzle the ox when they're treading out the corn. And um, when I look at my daughter, you know, she's not an ox, but, you know. (laughs) But you who know the scripture know the scripture. You know, when you have someone that's powerful that God is using, don't muzzle them, don't hold them back. And so I had to think about that as a father. I said, I can't hold this girl back. And let me tell you why. There's two reasons. Number one, when she was born, the moment she was born, I was the first one that saw her. My wife was only concerned, that she, did she have hair? <laughs> she, with all of our kids, she was like, do they have hair? I said, yes, baby, they have hair. She said, good. <laughs> but what I saw amazed me. Um, I held this child in my arms, and she tracked me with her eyes. I've never seen anything like that before. Newborns don't do that. And I said to Pam, I said, Pam, this child is tracking me. And she said, she is? I said, yes. And I took my finger, and I went like this, and she went at birth. <laughs> and I said, God, what did you give me here? I, know I got something here, you know? And so that's part one. And I started thinking about that. I said, I said, God gave me someone. I can't hold this child back. From birth, she was destined for something. And then number two, I shared this story many times. My wife and I were told that it was medically impossible to have children. Medically. And so we came together, and we said, you know what? They can say what they want. We know the great physician. We're going to stand on God's word. And we took the scripture, and we went in our basement for two years and prayed every day, calling our children out in age order, all right, by name. She wanted to call Sophia Chloe. I said, no, her name is going to be Sophia because that means wisdom. I don't even know what a Chloe is. <laughs> like, she said, it means green. I said, what's green? No, we want wisdom. We don't know green. <laughs> Sophia, But we were told that, you know, we couldn't have children. So we said, we don't believe that. So we prayed and we prayed. And for a year, nothing. And so when well, Christmas time came around and the next year. I said, I got to do something radical. And so I went out and purchased a crib, a pack and play. I did everything for a kids' room. And I knew my firstborn was going to be a boy named after me, Daryl. So I got a little football and everything because I had plans there. But, you know. <laughs> and we set the room up. And people would come by our house and say, Pam, pregnant? I said, by faith. <laughs> <laughs> by faith. And then, um, and so we went on and prayed and prayed again. And we kept, continued to pray. And then one day I came home. I went to a church called the Bounty Grace Family Worship Center in Media, Pennsylvania. Pastor Harry Doreen Jones. And we came home one day. And um, I was late at night, I was in the Board of Trustees, and I saw something on the screensaver. And it said, congratulations, honey. In less than nine months, you're going to be a father. You see? Let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. And then Daryl came first, and then Sophia showed up second, Alexander third, and God gave us a gift from heaven, and Abigail. So I realized when she started talking about going to Kenya, I realized I, I got to get on board with this. I can't let the dad thing stop it. I can't muzzle the ox. Mm-hmm. And um, when you, and I've been there. She didn't mention it. I went there with them last December. They actually had me come over and minister. If you're preaching in Kenya, get ready. It's not like you're going to preach from like 7 in the morning yeah. to midnight. <laughs> 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 they preach all day long. They don't know nothing. I remember the pastor was saying, we're going to take a break. It was like 10 minutes, and we were back there preaching to preaching <laughs> again. We don't, don't take no breaks over there. But um, I'm so grateful for this child of mine. I just love her. I kiss her all the time, hug her, and tell her. I'm just so grateful because I just watch God work in her life. So listen to what she's saying. Get involved. Use your gifts because I believe this is someone God is going to use to, you know, really usher in a love for this type of work so that we can use our lives here in the United States to be a blessing. So thank you for embracing my child. I appreciate you so much. I will not go much longer, but thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you.
4: amazing and powerful is that i don't know about y'all but i'm on the verge of like tears like i'm ready to go like right now instead of october and serving as the president of every nation campus for two years planning events participating in outreaches and disciplining students and in january of 2017 she answered the call to full-time campus ministry believing that there were lost students on the campuses of philadelphia who need a lord and savior And she was trained at the School of Campus Ministry in Nashville from January to March of this year. And she serves as a ministry at Drexel and Temple University. And she's also on staff with Freedom Church of Philadelphia. She's determined to pour into the future leaders of the world one student at a time. And in her free time, she enjoys singing, watching TV, reading, and hanging out with her friends. So everyone give a warm welcome to Courtney. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited to be here and share about um, Every Nation. And so Every Nation Ministries is a global nonprofit organization. We are in about 83 nations right now, and we train and send missionaries out into the world. And so we have three focus areas. The backbone of our ministry is campus ministry. We really believe in reaching young people. But we also focus on world missions, as well as church planting. Mm. All right, so a little bit of our history. These are three of the founders of Every Nation. And so on the left is Rice Brooks, and in the middle is Phil Bonasso. And on the right is Steve Merle, and he is the current president of Every Nation. And so they all came together in the Philippines. That's really where every nation was birthed. Um, Steve Merle, who was on the right, he was there working with another ministry and his two friends were stopping over for a layover and they were staying with him. And they were actually on their way to Singapore and Malaysia, and they were basically talking about how they God is giving them open doors in these countries, and that they really had a hope to reach college students on campuses all over the world. And so uh, it began as Morningstar International. They basically were like, let's do this. God gave them a vision of what they wanted to accomplish, and they felt like, we wanna see young people on fire for Christ. And so it started in the 90s and to be able to have grown in 20 plus years and now we're in 83 nations. And so it's just amazing to see people being a part of it and people, a lot of their friends started to call them and they're like, we wanna be part of your church planting movement. And so it's just been a blessing and I mean, it was where I was reached. And so it's just incredible that they probably could have never imagined how many people's lives would be changed just by that that one vision that God gave them. And so we just really believe that we can accomplish more together than apart. And so people came together um, and started planning churches by universities, getting young people involved there. And so it's just been amazing to see how much it's grown, and to see how much God has continued to give us open doors as well. So our goal, we want to reach every nation with the gospel. It's pretty simple. (laughs) So this is basically our motto. We want to honor God and advance his kingdom. We want to love him. We want to bring others alongside us. We want people to know him, have a relationship with him, and evangelize. So we do that by winning every nation to Christ. And so we really believe in introducing students to Christ, reconciling them, letting them know that there is a Lord and a savior, that you don't have to live in a life of depression and worry, anxiety, um, that your career, your job is not, it, those are all temporary things, but there is an eternal hope that you can have, and so we really believe in sharing that, especially on college campuses where it's all about your career, it's all about academics, and being able to say, no, there's actually more than that. You know, that there's more to this life than um, your career. And even just thinking about, um, I don't know if you've heard of just the recent uh, suicides that have happened um, with just some of the famous, I think one was a famous designer, one was a cook or a chef, and just realizing even when you have it all, when you think you have it all, you know, the material wealth, it, it's not enough. And so we want to provide um, that hope that you, with Jesus you have everything. Um, Amen. So we really believe in planting churches close to universities. Um, we really believe that we wanna get them plugged in. We wanna reach them. They are the ones carrying the torch. They are the next generation. And so we want them to not only be a part of our campus ministry, because at the end of the day, college is only four plus, maybe five, six years if it takes you that long <laughs> to graduate, which is okay. Um, but uh, college is really only a short amount of time. And so we want to be able to instill in you that it's so important to get plugged in with a community. So even after you graduate and you move away, First thing, I need to find a church. I need to find a community to grow, to be discipled, yeah. to be challenged. Yeah. Um, and so by the time that they graduate, we want them to be trained and sent out to be leaders in the world. You know, college campus is a hub for, for everyone. We get a lot of international students. And so we want to be able to equip them and send them out into the world so that they are passionate. They are ambassadors for Christ. And so every nation definitely focuses on having a personal relationship with God. And so a little bit of my story is that, and you heard a little bit of it in the bio, is that I, I grew up in church, so I always knew about God, and I accepted Christ at a young age, and so I thought, um, but as I grew older, I definitely started to question, I started to have doubts about God and his existence and just was feeling a disconnect. I just remember going to church and seeing people worshiping, and I just felt like I didn't have that. So I came to the conclusion that, okay, God is just for some people. He's not for me. And so uh, as I grew older, high school, um, just was not following God. I was kind of living this double life, you know, put on the good Um, church hat, um, when I'm at church on Sundays, but really living for myself the rest of the week. And it was a very dark place and it was very lonely and was struggling with isolation and brokenness. And so I got to college and this, what happened was, actually let me back up, my senior year of high school, a campus missionary came and spoke at my mom's Sunday school class. And she was sharing how she was going to be doing ministry at Temple and at Drexel University. And so my mom sent her an email and was like, oh, my daughter's going to be starting at Temple in the fall. And I would really love if you would connect with her. And so this woman would contact me and I would kind of give her the runaround. I was not. (laughs) I knew what it was about. So I was trying to avoid. And so what happened was God definitely got me. Um, Another woman in my mom's Sunday school class, she teaches at Temple, and she works with international students. And so she asked me if I would come down to her class and help work with the international students, help them practice their English, basically. And so I was like, of course, I would love to do that. I love meeting new people. So I ended up going, this is uh, my freshman year now, I ended up going and the campus missionary also happened to be a volunteer. And so, I'm just like, oh, hi. <laughs> um, so, it was, it was funny. She's like, you've been avoiding me, but it's nice to meet you. <laughs> um, and so, I met her, and man, immediately I could tell that she was a strong believer. And I, I felt two things. One, intimidation because I felt like I haven't been living for God all of these years, and I don't think I'll ever get to that level. So a lot of doubts and a lot of concerns started to seep in. But at the same time, I was also intrigued by her. And so I was like, you know what? I'll try this Jesus thing one more time. I'll see what happens. Um, And so she started to invite me to the campus ministry, which was super small at that point. But the students that were involved were very committed. And that was the first time I really saw students, like people my age, really having an authentic walk with God. Because um, you just don't see that in, in college students. And most people are very skeptical, as you pointed out, and so, or living like I was, a double life. And so I really, as I began to become a part of the campus ministry, I had to really choose which way I was going to live. Uh, Was I going to continue the ways of the world, which had only given me temporary satisfaction, or am I going to live for Jesus even though I don't know exactly what it's gonna look like? And I think even now, we still don't know. You know, there's, there's so much unknown with God, but we have to just trust him. And so I said, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna surrender everything to Christ. And he just began to do a new work in me. I mean, I received healing. He began to speak to me. And I was like, oh, God can speak to me, too. It's not just for other people. And so it was just a transformation. And I honestly, I've been looking back, and I'm like, wow, I really can't believe I'm a Christian. Like, I'm really, like, following God because it just was so far from where I was a couple years ago. And so, yeah, I quickly became a student leader. I got baptized and just felt really empowered. I started leading my own Bible studies and just ministering to other students. And then last year, um, God called me into campus ministry. And I said, I mean, that's another story itself. But <laughs> Yeah, but it was just, it was amazing. And I, I felt so peaceful about it. I just like, you know what, I just want to be obedient to you. God. So I was excited to be able to reach people who were lost, like I was. So, that's a little bit of my story. I can keep going on and on, but um, Every Nation also has a global impact, and so I got to go on a missions trip to Colombia last year, last May, actually, and it was really incredible. We got to partner with an Every Nation church there, and we were specifically doing outreach on the campuses, so we're doing evangelism, and I wished I learned a little bit more Spanish before going, but it ended up working out, and it was just incredible to be able to be a part of a team, like part, of, a couple of us were from Philly, but we worked with like our family in Nashville and Memphis, so it was awesome to really go together and impact a community, and seeing students just come to know Christ left and right, it was just amazing to be able to share your testimony, share the gospel, and ask, is this something that you want? And to have people say, yeah. And we're just like, wait, really? it's amazing. <laughs> um, so it was amazing to be a part of. And it further confirmed that, yeah, I want to be doing this full time. I want to lay down my life for the gospel. I love this. So yeah. <laughs> so this was a picnic that happened last May. I was actually in Colombia during this time, so I'm not in the picture but this is just some of the students that were around for the summer across the campuses, but this is at Drexel University, and I don't think this has a laser pointer, so I might have to come, so. <laughs> uh, so this is Jesse. Um,
0: and so he, is
4: at, he was an international student from China, and he came to Temple two years ago, And with little concept of Christianity, he had, I know he had visited churches, but he didn't really know the gospel didn't really, that wasn't really presented to him. And so some of our team spoke with him at the international student orientation that they have every year. And so some of our team spoke with him, shared the gospel with him, and he was actually very interested. And so he started to come to our events And he got plugged in, actually, with one of my Bible studies. And he would come just super hungry. He was very into learning. He was all about the word. And he was just very engaged. And so it was really awesome to see that. And then just to see a couple months later him accept Christ as his Lord and Savior, and he got baptized a couple of days later. And so it was just amazing to see that and be part of. So this is just an example of some of the, the students that we reach. And so we really believe that the college campus is very strategic. Um, There is just a window of opportunity there because they're all congregated there. So you're a little bit harder to reach once you graduate because you're out into the world. And surprisingly enough, the college campus, a lot of people tend to be open to varying beliefs. And so um, I think people tend to think that college students are scary, but they're actually pretty approachable. I've had great conversations with people about faith, and it it just all has to do with your approach. They don't want to feel preached at. They want to feel heard, and so being able to listen to them and then being able to, I'm always looking for a, a way to relate to them, and so I'm like, oh yeah, I used to feel that way too, and then I insert my testimony, and they're like, wow and then present like is this something that you want sometimes they say yes sometimes they say no and that's okay you know because we're God's vessel and we aren't we aren't the ones converting you know people but it's the work of the Holy Spirit Um, and so um, there actually is a Christian survey that says 85 percent of people will make a decision for Christ before the age of 25. But after the age of 25, it drops to one in 10,000. And so it's pretty stark. And we, there's a sense of urgency here that we really need to be on these campuses because after, after that, it's a little, you're a little harder to reach. And so we really believe in reaching them there. And then in the case of Jesse, we had a lot of international students in our area and some of them are actually coming from nations that are closed to the gospel. So we believe, and taking advantage of them, them sending their students here, we're pouring into them while they're here, and that they can reach and change their communities back home, and what better way, because they know their communities better than we do, you know, and it's harder for us to go into some countries that are closed, so having them have being equipped here and be able to go back home, man, they can shape, they can shape their, their communities. And so it's really amazing to think about. And then um, one way to reach unsaved adults is through the youth. So if a son or a daughter comes to know Christ, slowly but surely we can see the whole family coming to know Christ as well. Um, and then at the end of the day, they are the future leaders. They are the ones 10, 20 years down the line. This is the future world that we're coming into. So it would be wise to invest in them. And they are the future doctors, lawyers, pastors, CEOs, whatever God is calling you to be. Imagining a world where they're all on fire for Christ. I mean, what would the world really look like? So again, these are the three focus areas that every nation has, church planting, campus ministry, as well as World Missions. And so church planting, we are in about 83 nations, which is awesome, and we really establish churches in hopes of building strong family units and effective leaders in those communities. And then campus ministry, which is our backbone, we really believe in introducing students to Christ and training them, so if a If a student was a part of a bible study we want to train them to lead their own either the next semester or the next year so that we are continuing that cycle of disciples that make disciples and so by the time that they graduate we send them out as trained leaders and so we want them to continue to disciple continue to evangelize whether you're called into full-time ministry like I was, or whether you're called into the workforce, we're all believers, we're all on mission, we're all here to see people reached for Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And then World Missions, we have a department called 10 Days, which is basically where you can go on a mission trip from about spring to fall, so they have trips all over the world, where people can just take time off of work, take some vacation time, and go and impact a community. I feel like it's so important for people to at least go on a mission trip once in their life because it really will will do something to you and it'll impact the community as well. And then we also provide relief to ministries that need it as well. So this was a short-term mission trip to Rhode Island last April. And so they planted a church there last year, and so this was some of our Philly team. The guys didn't want to get in the picture for some reason, but it was some of our Philly team, but we also worked with Every Nation churches in Boston and New York. So we all came together. We were engaging people in the community. We were inviting people to church. We're on the college campuses there as well. Definitely a bit tougher of an environment up there, but I mean, we persevered. And so, Felicia is the girl in the bright blue ENC shirt, and she was a girl I interned with two years ago. And she basically, through conversations that I had with her, I could tell that she was a little bit one foot in, one foot out with her faith, and I'm like, well, I could relate to that. And so, um, I knew she was gonna be starting at Temple in the fall, so I invited her, to our events, and she also ended up in one of my Bible studies and began to grow and become discipled there. And I just remember her coming to our fall retreat, and she looked at me after one of our sessions and she said, You know what, Courtney? I'm, I'm tired of living this double life. I just want to be all in for Christ. And I said, All right, let's do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, and so it's just been amazing to see her make that decision. She attended our student conference in the spring, got baptized there, and then to see that she was on this trip. She was evangelizing. And so it's just amazing to see the progression that Jesus really saves. Like, he's transforming lives, and people are feeling empowered to go out and share the good news. Um, and so Jessica is the girl crouching next to me on, the, on your left. Um <laughs> And she was a tough one, I have to say. Uh, she came to our ministry about two years ago as well, and she—I could just tell she was carrying a lot of past pain and hurt, and it could come across in her demeanor. Um, she could be a little bit defensive, and she really only came around to socialize, not really to grow in her faith. Which is okay. We get those people, and we are praying that you know the Holy Spirit is working in their lives, and so she also went to our student conference in the spring, and it was really incredible. It was one of those moments where God has to kind of break someone down just to build them back up, and it was one of those moments where, man, she was just receiving healing and just allowing God to take away the burden that she's been carrying that wasn't hers to carry in the first place. And so she surrendered everything on the spot and it was, and she got baptized and then she just became a whole different person. Like it was a complete 180. Um, She became one of our strongest student leaders. She, she held like three bible studies last year this past year on campus she's on fire she was ministering to people sometimes she'll call me and she's like I, and pray for me and it's just been a blessing to see that so she's on fire and it was just it's amazing to to see people's transformation before your eyes and to be a part of their journey And so um, because I know God transformed my life. So it's just amazing to be a part of it and to see it in other people. So this is basically just a summary of all that I went through. Um, We exist to honor God, advance his kingdom. Again, these are the three focus areas that we have. And it's just amazing because I get to do what I do because people partner. People partner with me. And Someone partnered, a couple of people partnered with my, my former campus missionary and now I'm here. And so you never know how much your resources can transform, literally transform someone's life. And so I'm so grateful for that. And that's really how I do what I do. Um, this is a verse in Romans that says, how can they hear without a preacher and how can they preach unless they are sent? You know, I've been called to go And not everyone can quit their day job and be on the college campus, nor is everyone called to do that, but we can partner together. We can be a team, whether it is financially and or prayerfully, um, and we can reach the campus and invest in young people. And so um, I'm excited to be able to bring alongside other people and do that. thank you. Thank you so much, Courtney. So we have about five minutes, and so we want to open it up to Q&A. So I'm going to ask Courtney and
1: Sophia and actually one or both of her parents to come up just in case some of our parents
4: have questions um, about missions.
1: So don't be shy, church family. <laughs>
2: I want to say something. I got saved on campus ministry. It's so, I chose my college because it was a party school. (laughs) It is. My mom was a, she's a retired teacher, but I said, I'm going to get far away from home. I'm going to do my thing because I was raised in the church. Didn't know Jesus much like you. And I said, I'm going to get down here and have fun. I went to a party. I'll never forget. I got on the elevator and this girl had Jesus on her shirt. And I just said to her, I said, do you know Jesus? And she said, yeah. Would you like to know him? And I said, "Yeah." yeah. And we went back to her dorm and That was it. So campus ministry is powerful. So I thank you for committing your life to it.
4: events on campus, it pays for that, it pays for um, living expenses, so all of my salary comes through the giving of other people. Do you you pay? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 yes. So
3: how do you find where you locate or identify where you would go? Yeah.
4: So basically it is through people that I know. So basically I had a training on how to raise partnership. And so basically they said make a list of 200 names of people that you know and start having meetings with them. But quickly, you go through that list pretty quickly, and so I ask for, hey, do you know anyone else who would want to meet with me? And so it's really through connections and networking as well and visiting churches, and so that's really how I um, get funding.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, With going to Kenya, with your, uh, how do you get people to come with you? I mean, how can you get people to come with you who want to come with you?
1: um. Yeah. Yeah, so with like just going, uh, yeah. So there's like the orphanage that people can visit, um, and I have some information too in the back. But yeah, you can just go. Um, I know like there's different groups. Like you guys take a group over, um, but and I went with my youth group. But like my mom and I just went in May on our own. And yeah, so you can just go over. Like it doesn't, you don't have to go with a church or anything. But yeah, you just go if you want.
3: There's yeah. A, there's
1: a trip. There's a trip. Oh yeah, they are about to do a trip, a trip. in December. Yeah. The website is Kenya, Africa, Africa Israel tours or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like um, some people from my church are going and other churches in Delaware. um, And they'll be going to Kenya for like a week and then Israel and um, Egypt. Yeah. And then you'll be able to visit the children's home too because they're visiting the children's home.
3: Now, has the... uh Trump era we live in mm-hmm. has that affected like uh, reaching other
4: countries like with,
1: with um <laughs> no it hasn't been too bad um honestly i think i think it's okay yeah it's it's not that bad like with travel it can be hard cuz like the different bands and everything yeah, all the different just,
2: it was minor we had technology yeah like we
1: couldn't bring our um things, like the, our laptop we couldn't bring our laptops absolutely. on the plane with us coming back to america and that was new cuz it wasn't like that a couple of years ago when i first went but yeah
0: and Sophia, I can piggyback on that, too. Um, I've I found that um, overseas, other nations empathize yeah. for us. Yeah. They are praying for us. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. so they see, and they, they a lot of them are used to having dictators and different leaders who are just yeah. totally just left. Yeah. And so it hasn't been hard to, to still reach them.
2: your family I mean you you probably graduated you go to college for a major I'm sure it wasn't missions like what was your major okay and then you'd say I'm gonna do this missions thing on a college campus you've got student loan debt I'm sure your counterculture what was that like um in terms of support from your parents and
4: yeah so I was actually very rare and um my family is very supportive. Um, I come from a family who is very um, strong Christian, and so they were like, go for it. But even if you do have parents that are believers, I had a lot of classmates that their parents did not support that. Um, Because like like what you said, you you go to college, you got this degree, and most people think that people in ministry are poor. And so it's just like you're not going to be taken care of and blah, blah, blah. But my parents, my whole family was like, yeah, go for it. We support you. I mean, it was funny, because a lot of them, I started out as a biology major, and I was doing pre-med. And I was like, this is not for me. So I switched to public health. Um, so they were still like, we're praying for you to change your mind and become a doctor. <laughs> and, then, and then when I told them I want to go into ministry, they're like, oh, well, we can't argue with that. So yeah. They were. <laughs>
3: As far as Temple, I actually work on Temple campus. Oh no way! Not for Temple. Okay. <laughs> uh, where, where would I be able to locate your ministry on Temple on the Temple
0: campus?
4: Yes. So we don't have like an office space because we don't work for the university. We just have events on the cam- on the campuses, and so um, we tend to be in a lot of our events tend to happen in like the main buildings. And so, um, but we do a lot of our work at our church office as well.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I have a question.
2: Um, The students that you disciple on campus, how do you keep a relationship with them um, after they graduate and go back to their country or back to their city?
4: Yeah, so in the case of Jesse, I still talk to him. He actually ended up moving to Sweden, and he's plugged in with uh, a ministry there. And so we really make it a point that even after you graduate, you're not just cut off from us. You know, we really, because we are investing time in you, and we are building relationships. And so we really make it a point to, okay, yes, we are here for your spiritual health, so to say, and your relationship with God. We're also here to get you through school and to help you after as well. And so, um, yeah, I have a lot of relationships with students that have already graduated. And we, one of the things that we do is we help them get plugged in with the community. So if they're moving, if they get a job somewhere, we try and locate like one of our churches that is close to where they are. And so that they're getting, they're building new community, but we're also still in contact. Thank you, ladies, so much for just sharing and encouraging our hearts. Thank you for your passion and your work for the mission field. This
0: is awesome. Wow, our our hearts not stirring within us. God is so awesome. Didn't realize we were over time. We apologize, but this was awesome. Every second of this was so necessary. Um, Just so you know, the, the young ladies have display tables outside. Courtney has a newsletter that's extremely powerful that you can sign up for and receive updates on her ministry. You can also get updates from Sophia. She has an awesome online presence for Ngoma Kenya. So follow, share, and support. Next week, we will have a speaker here that will speak to the domestic human trafficking crisis right here in Delaware. So you wanna be back here next week. All are welcome for that. And during service today, as you heard earlier, uh Sophia will be leaving for kenya for six weeks tomorrow and so our leadership is going to be praying over her sister connie will be going with a vision team to panama uh, so we want to pray and commission them uh, as they go in obedience to what god has called them to do amen thank you so much did you want to close us out